Hey, grab your copy of the scriptures or your um, phone or iPad or iPod or whatever you brought with you this morning. And we're going to find uh, Hebrews in chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 5 and work our way through the end of the chapter here today. Today we're going to see what Jesus accomplished by becoming fully human. Now this isn't a news flash for anyone. Jesus became man. Jesus is God. Jesus became man is what we celebrate every year, December 25th. Jesus was born. He was born as a human. He was born to become like us. Now, we look at humanity, and we have a pretty high view of humanity. We, we think that we're pretty big stuff. You know, um, we see our accomplishments. We see our popularity. We see our abilities. And we feel pretty good about ourselves. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Um, are you familiar with the Traverse City turkeys? Have you seen those guys? Aren't they awesome? Um, these, these are pics that I took. Um, we've been watching them uh, since they were little Jakes, and, and we first picked them up on, um, what was it? It was uh, Airport and uh, Park is where we originally started seeing them, over in Airport and Park. And, and now they've moved over by um, Airport and Garfield is where we see them oftentimes. The, the previous pic... Um, I, I took a shot of them. They were moving. They were going over. Um, it's nice to know that they also bank at Chase, where I bank. And that's where they were going over there. And then this other one, um, the next pick was just, that was just, what, two days ago, honey? Was that what that was? Two days ago, and there they were standing on the corner of um, Garfield and Airport, um, just hanging out, waiting to cross the road. Um, I think I saw one of them jump up and actually hit the crosswalk button <laughs> and uh, getting ready to go. No, just joking. And then, um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is photoshopped or if this is the truth, but here the car wash, is that the truth where they actually have a sign above it saying, caution, uh, hammer and nails. That's their names, hammer and nails crossing here. So they have become very popular. And I need to tell you a story about these guys. This is the craziest thing. So this was just a couple weeks ago. I, honest to God, truth on this. Just a couple weeks ago, someone from the office told me that I just got 2,000 friends on Facebook. I didn't know if that was a big deal or not. I, I, I've never kept track. I, I, I have no idea. But someone came in and said, wow, you have 2,000 thousand friends on Facebook. And, and um, I'm like, is that a big deal? And they're like, that's a big deal. You've got a lot of friends. I'm thinking, wow, I've, <laughs> I must have a lot of friends. And, 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 and I, I left the office. I'm starting to think, I, I must have a lot of friends. Isn't that something? And, um, and I went and picked my wife up. This all just happened within the course of a day. So I picked my wife up and we were going in town. And, um, and so I decided to tell her, hoping maybe she would be impressed with me. And I said, honey, I have 2,000 friends on Facebook. And um, she didn't seem as impressed. 
as I was about that. Well, but that started this conversation, and she said, you, um, we, we came around the airport, and we saw the Traverse City turkeys. And she said, I just talked to my mom, and she said, um, those turkeys have names. And I, I didn't know it. She says, it's Hammer and Nails. I'm like, what? And she said, they have a Facebook page. <laughs> said, they don't have a Facebook page. She said, they do. So she says, I'm looking it up right now. I'm like, they do not have a Facebook page. So she looks up their Facebook page. And she pulls it up. They do. Look, honey, she says, they have a Facebook page. And she showed me. She goes, oh, they have 3,900 friends. <laughs> yeah. So I joined their page this week. <laughs> Just when we think we're big stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a big shot, you know. And then you find out two turkeys are twice as popular as you are. <laughs> well, follow me on this one. In the order of significance out there, there's God. Okay. Obviously, no one's greater than God. If someone's greater than God, God is not God. God is the most high, supreme, being above all. The very next beings that God created were angels. And people see these spirit beings and understand that they're significant. And then under angels are people. In fact, if you're in Hebrews chapter 2, you see... Um, you see this reality in verse 5. He talks about this succession, although man is significant. Verse 5, it says, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there's a place where someone has testified. This is an Old Testament quote. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. Now note this phrase. You've made them a little lower than the angels. You've crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. So here's a statement about people, that God has made people, humans, a little lower than the angels. But in the reality of that, he has given us a position. But I'm not getting there quite yet. Because I want us to see what was going on with the readers of this letter of Hebrews, there was an issue for them. They began to look at Jesus because, remember, I said Jesus became man. No newsflash. That's what happened at Christmas. He was born in a body. And that's why they looked at Jesus and they thought, what's up with this Jesus? If he's a man... He's a little lower than the angels. And that's why they thought maybe the angels are more significant. Maybe the angels have more position. Maybe the angels have more power. There's a couple verses here. We just read the one, Hebrews 2, 6. It'll be up on your screen. It says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You've made them a little lower than the angels. And then notice the admission 
in verse 9 of the text, in speaking of Jesus, it says, but we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while. So in this pecking order of the universe and creation, there's God, there's angels, there's mankind, and some were arguing, you know what? Jesus may not be as big of a deal because he became man. He became lower than the angels. Maybe he's not as big of a deal as what you're making him out to be if he was man. And this is why the writer of Hebrews says, hold, hold on, hold on. Don't think for a moment that because Jesus became man that he's not a big deal. And in fact, the writer says, because he became man is exactly why he's a big deal. That's what this next section's about. Because Jesus became a man, that's exactly why he's a big deal. So let's walk through this a little bit. We're going to talk about this. Jesus' humanity wasn't a handicap. It didn't make him inferior. And the writer wants us to know there's no reason to worship or put your confidence in anything else over him. In fact, because Jesus took on humanity, because he became flesh and blood, it proved he is of the greatest value, higher than man, higher than angels, the name above all names, no one's greater, no one's higher, no one gave up more for you and for me than Jesus Christ. And the big phrase, the big thing that we're going to remember today, it's right there on the back of your East Bay Weekly, it's right there on your study sheet. Here's the big phrase we need to remember. Because Christ went lower, no one is higher. Is that one to remember? You still with me? Do we need to take a coffee break? Because Christ went lower, I'm glad you didn't say yes to the coffee break thing. Because Christ went lower, no one's higher, folks. So let's talk about it. I want to give you four things that the text mentions. And if you're good this morning, I'll let you out on good behavior a little early. Because I know there's some snow coming. And I don't want you to get trapped. That would be fun, though. Okay. Jesus had a rescue mission. That's why he became man. He had a rescue mission. And each thing that we're going to talk through builds. The first one, you may think that's not as significant. The next one, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then the big grand finale. Boom. That's the biggie. That's what his rescue mission in becoming a man was all about. So Christ's humanity is the ultimate rescue mission now I'm going to give you four ways that Jesus' rescue mission played out in the text. I'm just going to work through these. You may want to work through them even more when you get home. As I mentioned, we have this commentary by Warren Wearsby for sale. It is in our resource center, which is right across the hall from here. It's a tremendous resource to work through the book of Hebrews with us as we study together. But here's, um, here's how this works out. Note verses 5 through 9. I'm going to give you the first part of the rescue mission. Verses 5 through 9. I, I began to read it. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there's a place where someone has testified. 
What is mankind that you're mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And then he explains, now I'm putting everything under them. God left nothing that is not subject to them. Now notice the admission. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So here's the first part of Jesus' rescue mission. And becoming man, the first part of his rescue mission is he rescued, and this is on your East Bay Weekly, if you want to fill this in, Jesus rescued our lost dominion. He rescued our lost dominion. And in general, here's how this worked out. When God created the heavens and the earth and he created mankind and he told man, I want you to have dominion over everything, over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea, over everything that walks on the earth, you have the rule, you have dominion, everything will obey you. And it began that way, even the ground and everything that yielded fruit, everything he was not only in charge of, but it yielded to him, to mankind. And then sin came along, then sin entered, and they disobeyed. And sin affected all of that. And that's why the admission in the text says, yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. And so, you know, now we have to deal with this. Now we have fences for our cattle. Now we have shock collars for dogs to keep them in our yard. Now we have lawnmowers. Now we have weed killer. Now we have clippers. Now we have all of these different things. Now we have to try to lure fish and do all of these different things. You know, it's completely different. This whole dominion thing is just out of whack. We really don't have control. However, when Jesus came, if you read through the Gospels, when Jesus came to earth, he, uh, he really didn't have a whole lot of trouble with dominion, did he? Like, wouldn't you like to go on a fishing trip with Jesus? Huh? Yeah, cast your net on that side. Woo! And like, the whole net of fish came up. Don't you wish you had Instagram back then, huh? Yeah. And even the wind and the waves obeyed him. Even the fig trees you're going to yield fruit, you're not going to yield fruit. And then Jesus, as human, went to the cross, and he died. And it mentions on the other side, what does it mention he's wearing? Now he is crowned 
with glory and honor. He's crowned. He's king. He rules. He's establishing, he's reestablishing the dominion that was lost at the fall. So folks, good news. Everything that you have been battling and working through since the day you were born, everything that was lost all the way back in the garden, Jesus Christ came to earth in this rescue mission as a human, and he's going to reverse it on the other side. That's number one. Here's number two. He rescued us into God's family. He rescued us into God's family. So look at this. The very next section in verse 10 on down through verse 13 says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. But the one who makes people holy... And those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And he says, and here's a couple Old Testament quotes. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I. And the children God has given me. So here's the next thing that Jesus did. In this rescue mission as a human, he came in and he rescued us into God's family. Our sin had separated us from God's family. Our sin had put us outside of God's family. And the text mentions a couple words here, and I want you to look right there, because here's one significant word. It mentions... In verse 10, that should make the pioneer of their salvation. Now, some text mentions pioneer. Some text mentions captain of their salvation. And I just want you to understand that the Bible describes Jesus Christ as the one, the captain, the pioneer, the one who opens the way just as you would think a pioneer who's going into the wilderness, who's cutting back all the, all the leaves and all, the, all of the brush to be able to make a path for someone else to follow behind him. This is what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He pioneered the way for us to be able to come into God's family. And it further shows the significance there's only one way into God's family. And it's through the way that Jesus Christ has pioneered. It is through his path. And Jesus himself said, in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So the text mentions plainly, Jesus is the pioneer. He is the one who has made the, the way for everyone else to follow into God's family. He rescued us into God's family. Now, there's one verse that is so significant 
Here it is up there on the big screen for us. I love it. It's verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy. Now, in case if you're wondering, that's Jesus. The one who makes people holy and those who are made holy. And guess who that is? That's those who believe that Jesus died for them. The one who makes them holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, those who believe in him, are of the same family. So here we are in this family with Jesus, and it gets even better. You ready for this one? Hopefully you didn't have decaf. It gets even better. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them, guess what Jesus calls you? Brothers and sisters. Guess what your relationship to Jesus Christ is if you believe in his death on the cross for you. You are Jesus' brother. You are his sister. You're in his family. Here's number three. He rescued us from the power of death and the devil. Look at verses 14 to 16. <laughs> verses 14 to 16. He continues on. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. He breaks the power of the devil, breaks the power that he has of death, and free those all who all their lives were held in slavery, notice, by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps. Angels don't die. He doesn't help angels. But Abraham's descendants, he helps people. So he rescued us from the power of death and the devil. So we're in God's family by belief in this rescue mission that Jesus Christ came as a man to die on the cross for our sin Eventually, we will all die. The text doesn't say we will never die, but notice what it does say. It removes the fear. It removes the fear. It frees all those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And why is the fear of death able to be removed? Because we know on the other side what awaits us. And I can tell you what awaits a believer on the other side of this life is a whole lot nicer than northern Michigan, folks. I'm going to tell you about a guy I knew... Um, back where I was before I came here. He was in his late 80s. He was a really super neat guy. Arnold Nauman, he was a taller, taller guy, had a tremendous sense of humor. And he had been dealing with cancer for a number of years and um, battling it for a long time. And I'll never forget there was a day that he 
called me in, and I think I've told some of you about this in the past. And, uh, and we had been talking about things for a while, and, and he had told me, he says, Pastor, um, the doctor said there's nothing more that they can do. Like, this is the end. And he says, sometime I want to I bring you in, and I want to talk to you about what I once said at my funeral. He says, I, I have some thoughts I have, and I, and I want to tell you exactly what I once said. And I said, okay, you let me know. And I'll never forget getting that call from Arnold, and he pulled me in, and um, this was a tall, able-bodied man at one point that um, cancer had made him frail. I remember seeing him reclined, and, and it just seemed that his bones laid in the recliner, and he could barely move could barely talk. We didn't know at that time he had two days left. That was it. And he pushed a piece of paper out in front of me and he says, um, here's some verses I want read. And, and he pushed this little article out in front of me that I picked up and he says I, I want you to read this and I pulled it up and of all things it was a joke and it was this boy that um, went to his grandpa and says um, how is it that people go to heaven and, and the grandpa says well come on up and sit on my knee and so the boy sat on his grandpa's knee and the grandpa says, um, this walnut is like grandpa. And he says, um, watch this. And he cracked the shell. And he opened up the shell. He says, what's on the inside? That's the good stuff. And that's what goes up to Jesus. And he says, and this outer shell is like our body. And he doesn't need that anymore. And so we can just take that and put it in the ground. And the grandpa said to the boy, so do you understand what I'm telling you? And the grandson says, yeah, that grandpa's a nut. <laughs> and at that point Arnold and I'm telling you this six foot two six foot three formerly strong self-employed man that was skin on a stick looked like he had the force of an ox he put his finger out and he said, Pastor, I want you to tell those people that they can take my body and I don't need it anymore. They might as well bury it because I'm in heaven with Jesus. No fear in death.
none. It's like the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for, for thou art with me. That's the difference. Jesus came on this rescue mission. He came as a man, and he died on the cross, and he bore our sin. And for those that believe in him, not only has he conquered and re-restored our dominion on the other side, not only has he rescued us into God's family, but he's like, you know what? I just thumped the power of the devil and the grave, and you have no need to fear your transition. You have no need to fear getting to the other side. You have every reason to have confidence in what awaits you. That's what my rescue mission did for you. That's number three. And like I told you, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And so here's the last one, number four. His rescue mission, he rescued us from our sin this is what it was all about. Verses 17 and 18. It says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. He had to be made like us, like people. Fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So this is the whole thing, and it, and it just kind of crescendos here at the end. Here's the big boom. This is the reason he had to be made fully human. He could be our high priest. Now, there's some imagery back to the Old Testament. And here's how it worked. He became this high priest. The high priest was this human that went into the presence of God on behalf of the people and would make a sacrifice for the sins of the people to bring them into a right relationship with God. And so Jesus is like, this is why I became human, to be this representative for you. I was your high priest that went to God as a human on your behalf to say their sins are atoned for. Not only was God the high priest, or was Jesus the high priest, the representative, he also was the sacrifice who died to bear the penalty for our sin. He was that which atoned or made the, the sacrifice. He was the one who bore the penalty for our wrong. And so Jesus Christ, it mentions, when he died on the cross, he was punished in our place, and he as well as the one that showed God, I am the one that is 
on behalf of them, making this relationship right. He rescued us from our sin. He atoned for our sin. And this is about as simple as I could say it. Our sin will be punished by God. Either we believe that Jesus became human and was punished for our sin when he died on the cross and we are forgiven. Either we believe in his rescue mission that he became human and died on the cross for our sin and we're forgiven, or we don't. And we will bear our own punishment forever in hell. It's just that simple. Our sin will be punished. Either we believe Jesus was punished for it and we're forgiven, or we don't and we'll be punished for our own sin in hell. Here's the other beauty of it. He rescued us from our sin eternally and also even now, notice verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted now. Do you ever go through temptation recently? Okay. Have you had temptation the last week? If you say no, that means you're being tempted to lie. So everyone is yes. Jesus doesn't only help us with our sin eternally. He helps us now. He's human. He went through this just like we have, yet without sin. This isn't a rescue mission to give us religion. This wasn't a rescue mission just to give us a church service. His rescue mission was to eternally forgive. This rescue mission is to help us now with what we deal with today. This rescue mission is to help us with our addictions now, with our marriages now, with our children now, with our finances now, with our habits now, with our attitudes now. Jesus came to rescue us now. And his humanity was a step down, a major step down to bring us back up. He became one of us to die for us so that we could be forgiven, we could be in his family. And because he went lower, folks, no one is higher. No one. And I want to give you some thoughts to finish with today. So let's pull this in. Some thoughts to finish with today. So number one, we need to worship and celebrate Jesus. We've got to. Because he went lower for you and for me. No one should be higher in our lives. We need to worship him. We need to celebrate him. And, and, and this, is, this is kind of a cool thing. I want to revolutionize your holiday. Because we already have a time that we celebrate Christ's humanity. And I just kind of want to spice it up. Christmas is the very holiday that we celebrate Christ's humanity. Jesus became human for us. 
That was the beginning of his rescue mission here on earth. It's a global holiday. Most of the world doesn't even know what in the world they're really celebrating. And, and this is one we need to step up. We just took our Christmas tree down this week. Okay? It means we love Jesus more, is what it means. <laughs> We've got to bump it up. I don't, I don't want to burst your bubble or all your traditions, but man, it's really not about presents. It's not even about Santa. Although it's nice with family and friends, it's not even all about family and friends. It's not about food. It's about Jesus becoming human on the beginning of his rescue mission to rescue us. And we need to celebrate him. You know, it's why we take and celebrate the Lord's table and communion here once a month. Because we take two elements. The, the cracker represents his. Yeah, and the juice represents his. And guess what those are symbols of? His humanity. He became human. They could touch him. They could see him. And when he died, it was real. And we as a church family say, you know what? We recognize his rescue mission where Jesus came down. He went low. He became like us. As God, he became a human and died for our sin. And we celebrate him every month. And then check this passage out. This is, this is from Philippians 2. <clears throat> This talks about the humanity of Jesus and the death of Jesus. It says, who being in very nature God, that's Jesus, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but rather he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's going lower but check this out. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Christ's humanity and death for us is why the Father exalted him to the highest place. Because he went low. God exalted him to the highest place. And folks, it's why we ought to exalt him to the highest place as well. Are you with me on this one? We talk in the same language. It's like, because he went low for us, we need to lift him to the highest place. And that's why I say, you know what? We need to sing a little louder. We need to worship a little stronger. We need to serve a little bolder. We need to love a little deeper. We need to give a little better. 
We need to unite a little tighter. All the things that we do, you're like, Jesus, you did all of this. I lift you to the highest place, not only in a church service, but in my life and in my devotion. It's like, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to celebrate you. If God exalted him to the highest place for doing that, guess what? I'm going to too. That's number one. Here's number two. We need to go low. We need to go low. You know what made Jesus have such kingdom impact the globe over was because he, being God, came down to meet us where we are. And the greatest kingdom impact that you could ever make and that I could ever make is when we go low. When we go low. You want to touch people's lives and make a kingdom impact? Go low. Say, what does that mean? How do you go low? Well, Philippians 2.5 tells us, in your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So here, if the all-knowing God was best known for being a friend of sinners, touching the blind, helping the beggar, loving the unlovely, forgiving the unforgivable, that's the path for maximum impact that we ought to be on as well. You want to make a difference in people? Go low. You connect with people where they are. That's exactly what Jesus did. We found this out where we were um, in New York, and I could give you a whole bunch of different illustrations how God has changed my heart. One of the biggest ways that has touched the life of my my wife and myself and my family is um, is through connecting with international orphans. And it's completely changed our perspective. Can I just put this in your heart just for a moment? To have kingdom impact. Touch people personally. I just want to tell you about one girl really quick, and then I'm going to get to our final point. We pulled an orphan into our home. This is probably seven years ago. Who was the most challenging girl we've ever had. When she went back to Ukraine, we pulled over all of our kids in and we said, we will never, ever complain about any of you ever again. <laughs> I'm sure we've gone back on that a couple times. We had no idea when we pulled her in what was going on. We just saw her acting out in disobedience taking things and just breaking them right in front of us. 
defiance. And we, we couldn't speak the same language. I had no idea what she was telling me, and she had no idea what I was telling her. It was a lot like marriage. And, and um, I better stop, or I'm really going to be in trouble. <laughs> but anyways, um, and one day my wife went in with her because she needed to have a bath. And she asked her, do you need help? And, um, and she said yes. And this girl took her robe off and my wife saw burn marks, burn marks all down her back. from her parents. And it changed us, folks. It changed us. We realize if, if we just understood, if we really understood, Our best way to make an impact is to go low. Your best way to make an impact is to go low. Meet them where they are. Touch them where they are. You may not ever understand what's going on in their life. But in patience like Jesus, if you meet them, Connect with them if you're patient for the long haul. You can have kingdom impact like Jesus Christ. And then here's the last thing that I want to give you. With this we finish. Because this is where it's all at. You can do everything else before. You can sing. You can help others. And those are all really good things. But let me tell you, this is the big deal We need to believe that he became human and died for you. This is just where it's at. We need to believe that he became human and died for you. His rescue mission was for you individually. For you. And on the count of three, I just want you to say your first name, okay? Your first name, I don't care if... What age you are in here, just your first name. Here we go. One, two, three. That's who Jesus came to die for. You. You. Your forgiveness, your restoration with God, his humanity, his rescue mission by becoming a person was for you. And what is needed is for us to to accept that, to believe that, to embrace that, and to give our life to him, to say, yeah, okay, I'm in. And where it all starts is to say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know why you needed to rescue me, because I've blown it. We all need rescuing. I know why you needed to rescue me. And God, I believe that Jesus is God.
but he became man. And he went to the cross to bear my penalty that I deserve for my sin. I believe it. God, I accept it. I claim it. Forgive me. And when you do that, you're in God's family. Jesus is your brother. You're rescued from the power of death and the devil. You're rescued eternally from sin and you have help now with everything you battle with. And would you stand with me? We're a family. We do things together. Would we declare it together? Can we declare the power of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the gift of Jesus, that he became like us to die for us?